0: Good morning to each of you. So good to be back. Uh, my family and I got a few days off and uh, we missed last weekend, but uh, we heard that Pastor Israel knocked it out of the park and I'm just so thankful. Yeah, go ahead. That's, that's awesome. Um, I love that we're making kingdom connections um, like that, that is giving us more of a global impact, uh, also a global perspective. And there's nothing um, really greater than connecting with the nation of Israel because that's where it all started. And I'm excited about where that relationship will go in the future and how God is going to use that in the future. So honored that you are here today. We're kicking off a brand new series called The Will 2. The Will to. Can you look at your neighbor and tell them The Will to? Wrong neighbor. Find another one. The will to. All right. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the will to, and we're going to talk about the will to war, the will to win, the will to worship, and the will to work. And I'm going to kick it off by talking about the will to war. The will to war. We'll start with Judges chapter number 3, verses 1 and 2. It says there, Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. This is a very interesting scripture to me because there are nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel through leaving these nations, nations that they would have to fight and war against. And it was for a generation that was rising up in Israel that had not formerly known the battles that had got them to the, the promised land. They were not a part of those fights, of those battles, or of that war. And so God left these nations to test them and to prove them. Very interesting to me and so I I just want to start by saying you have to have a will to war that how many know if you're going to accomplish anything significant in life you got to have a will to you know there's got to be something in you that says I can do this I want to do it there you have to have a will to do it and it's important that we have that um, because there is something about being blessed and I don't know anybody want to be blessed Okay, I think I most but yeah, I'll take that one, Pastor. Well, uh, we, we got some plowing to do today. Um, but there's something about that blessed life that it is possible for you to be blessed and then have people around you that don't know how you got to that blessed place. They, they don't know what you've walked through. They don't know what battles you fought to get to the blessed place. They don't know how we got here. When Elijah in the Old Testament found Elisha, Elisha was plowing in a field. Many of the miracles that Elijah had performed, he had already performed when he met Elisha. He had already called fire down. He had already raised the dead. And Elisha did not have firsthand knowledge of that. And so through serving him and following him, he learned what got Elijah to the place that he had power enough with God to do the things that he did. And so I, I said all of that. I, before I, I give you this next phrase, it wasn't Elisha's fault that he wasn't there when Elijah did what he did. It wasn't his fault that he wasn't there. But we are here today and it is possible for people to come into our church in this season of our church and not really understand how we got here. Not understand how, how, what, what steps did you take? What, what battles did you fight? What war did you engage in to get to this place? And so many of the people who are here now did not arrive until after we had already won some battles, fought some devils, pushed back some darkness, and then they arrived after we had picked up momentum and were already making a difference. And I just want to say, we didn't get here by accident, baby. We did not get here by accident. This did not happen overnight. We didn't get here by accident. We didn't get here without sacrifice. We didn't get here without warfare. And we are thankful for where we are, but we have so much more to do, but we can't get there without training up a new group of people that have a will to war, a will to fight, a will to sacrifice, a will to do something greater than what they have previously experienced. And I am a proponent of the emerging generation. I I am a proponent. I am a fan. I am on their team. Um, Almost every staff member except me is a millennial. (laughs) Me and Pastor Karen, we, we, we the old folk, you know, as far as pastoral team. Every other pastoral person on our team, they are considered a millennial. And I am on their team, I am a fan. We hire them, we believe in them, we believe that they're gonna change the world, we believe they're gonna do more than what we've done. And, and, and all that is true, but we, we, we also need to know that the coming generation has a propensity to take things for granted. Because they didn't have to work to have them. Sometimes we don't have a will to war because we've had so many things handed to us Uh, and, and, and I don't even say that as a criticism, it's just a reality. Sometimes we, we don't have that, that willingness to fight because we, we didn't fight for what we have. And it's kind of like Elisha. It wasn't his fault that he wasn't there when Elijah was fighting Jezebel and calling fire down. He wasn't there during all that. And it wasn't his fault, but there has to be an understanding of how we got here so that we can raise up some more people that are new to us, new to our church, that will also have the ability to fight because the scripture says that the generation of Israel that came to be at that time did not know the battles that were fought before them. They did not understand them and that God would use that to teach them. He would leave those nations there to teach them how to war. Now if you do not have the will to war then you cannot take new territory from the enemy. It is impossible to take new land and new territory and to experience growth and increase and expansion if, if you don't have a willingness to war. And, and I personally believe that the enemy uses the spirit of distraction to keep us from having a will to war and to keep us distracted fighting fights that don't matter. I'm already preaching real good. Um, he keeps us distracted on things that, that don't even apply to the gospel. Uh, you, you, we, we're fighting this battle, and it's not even a battle God asked us to fight, and while we're fighting that battle, there is something over here we should be fighting. It's kind of like the news. You know how the news is. They, they bring a breaking story to distract everybody, to get your attention on this one thing that really don't matter, because there's something really big going over here that it, they don't don't want anybody to know just yet. And so we get distracted looking at this side when we really should be focused on this side. And I'm convinced that the enemy is pulling the church into silly things, keeping us from fighting the real battle that we need to be engaged in to make a difference in our world. But we got to come out of a spirit of distraction and get some discernment and a will to war and a will to fight and a will to stand up under some pressure and a will to keep going even when we don't feel like going. And so 2 Corinthians tells us, it tells us in verse, chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the point down of strongholds. Strongholds here speaks of mindsets, thought patterns that are contrary to the word of God. And so our opening text, it tells us very clearly that Israel, they had won a lot of battles. I mean, they were in the, in the promised land. They're there. And so we, we know that they have won a lot of battles. The other reason we know they won a lot of battles is because there was a generation that, that fought so strong that another generation that came didn't even understand the warfare of the previous generation. They had no, it said they did not know the wars. They had won all these battles. But a generation came and just thought, this is the way life is. We're just gonna sit in the blessing. Of somebody else's battle. And we're not gonna fight anything ourselves. See, this is where the spirit of entitlement is hurting us. It's, what's, it, it, it's crippling people. Because we're so used to sitting in somebody else's blessing, we don't know how to fight ourselves. And so when life gets tough, we quit. <laughs> we throw in the towel, we take our ball, and we go home. And, and, and I love that they were successful. But there was a time that came that each generation, God has shown it, each generation, please hear me, each generation has to learn how to fight. We, we, we can't just depend on who paved the way and, oh, we right, man, this is a great place. This is awesome. I love Bethesda. This is cool. You wouldn't have loved the battles we went through. Oh, Lord, it, 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 we're already, and I ain't even did the hard stuff yet. The thing about distraction is, is that it works so well for the enemy because we always take the bait. We, we do. I mean, we can have a politician say something, and then we want, as Christians, to take what a politician says and attach God's name to it. And now the people we're trying to reach think that they have to take our position to receive the gospel. I had somebody ask me, one time, why don't you preach more on, you know, being Republican or Democrat or independent, all that kind of stuff. I said, because I don't want to eliminate half my harvest. Before I'm a citizen of the United States of America, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and it reigns supreme over our democracy. I'm not going to eliminate half the people we can reach by attaching God's name to a position that God didn't put his name on. I offended about 79 people at nine probably more like 57 in this one but we we attach God's name to stuff and then make people think they have to have our position to receive the gospel can we simply reach people where they are if they are lost can we simply give them the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow them to figure it out and work out their salvation See, part of maturity is learning how to be quiet. It's in your Bible. The Bible says wisdom is the ability to overlook a thing. So if you've got to go on a Facebook rant every time something bothers you or somebody offends you, it says you're immature. Wisdom is the ability to overlook some stuff. <laughs> oh, it's going to get worse. I came with a word today. See, part of maturity is not being distracted with things that at the end of the day don't matter. I mean, how many things do our blood pressure go up over that it doesn't even really matter? I mean, if you really take a couple steps back and just chill, you'd realize that's not even that important. But because we don't know how to fight real battles, we have to participate in battles that don't count. Mark 4, 13 through 15. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, and he takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Another, another um, example, Matthew 13, verse 3 and 4. He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured and devoured them. And the point here, very clearly, is that when the seed of God's word is sown, proclaimed, given, when that seed, when his word is sown, Satan always comes immediately. That's the point. The word is sown, Satan comes immediately. And he even says that the fowl of the air comes to snatch it away. The, I don't have time to, to, to talk you through all of this, but the fowl of the air actually represents demonic activity. That when the word, anytime the word is being sown, there is spiritual activity happening. And it's not just what the Holy Spirit is doing. When the word is being sown, don't you, you need to know the devil is also doing his thing to keep the word from getting into your heart. That's why you can preach truth and you got some people who sit there and under truth, they get offended and somebody else jumps up and gets their breakthrough. And it's all about, who are you allowing to speak to you? The voice of the enemy or the voice of the Holy Spirit? Yes. So you, you take one word of truth and one person in the church, they're mad. you like, they emailing you, calling you and doing a rant about, about the Even though it's just the word, and then somebody else, they got, a, they got a miracle out of it because there is spiritual activity every time the word of God is sown. Something's gonna happen. Either it's gonna take root and you're gonna grow or de- demonic activity will take place and that word will be snatched. Satan comes immediately to take it away. That's why you have to have a will to war because if you're looking for a reason to be distracted, you're gonna find it. If you're looking for a reason to be offended, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a reason to be upset, you're going to find it. But if you're looking for the promises of God and the prophecies of God over your life, you're also going to find those. It's all about what you're looking for. What what are you seeking after? And so when you're hearing the word of God, you got to make sure that you do war over the word you have received. I love the promises of God. I love getting prophetic words from God. But I also know I have to contend for those words. I got one yes out of that. You know why? Because a lot of us think every word God speaks, it's all just automatic over our lives. How many know that God can give you a great promise, but if you're not willing to war and put one foot in front of the other, you'll never see your promise come to pass. You have a part to play. First Timothy one, here's what Paul told, uh, Paul told Timothy. He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So when I receive a word from God, I have to take that word to prayer. I gotta know how to pray that word through. It's a powerful concept. Everything you've experienced in your life up to this point, you need to know there is more. There is so much more, more in front of you. Part of the problem is that we have a couple of deficits as humans. We we have a, a couple of disadvantages. Uh, as, as human beings, we can't always see, this is the first disadvantage, we can't always see spiritual activity. And what I mean by that is we can't see sometimes when angels are working in our, on our behalf. And sometimes we can't see the, the uh, forces of darkness that are, that are working against us. We don't have the ability to see that sometimes. And so we're at a disadvantage. And, and A lot of us, we are so accustomed to living by what we see that we don't know how to operate in faith. We can only operate by what we see. And many times we are reacting in the flesh to something that has a spiritual nature. We're responding in the flesh and it's a spiritual issue. And so uh, the second deficit that we have is that the powers that we war against, they have been here longer than you have. They've been around a long time. You may not know what your granddaddy did, but how many know demons do? They've been around a long time. They are fallen angels. So they know, watch this, they know your weaknesses they know your shortcomings. They know your propensities. They, they know what trips you up. Some of us have been fighting the same battle for 30 years because the enemy knows that's the only battle he's ever got to bring against us. Good. The same, th- same stuff. It puts us at a disadvantage, but, but it has been said, and I'm gonna say this strong. I want you to grab this. One man defending his home and his property is stronger than 10 men trying to take it away from him. Man, I may run a lap. Even nations understand this truth. Even nations know if they're gonna hire a soldier to go in and take something that doesn't belong to him, to take something from another individual, they better send more than one. Because if it belongs to somebody else, and it belongs to them, it's their property, they're going to have a will to fight for it. How many of you understand, if it's something to do with your spouse or your children or your money, they better bring more than one man to take it away from me. Bless God, they better bring an army. Because it's mine. Like, it, this is mine. You, you're not just taking it. And I said all that to say this. The promise of God over your life belongs to you, which means if it's yours, God has given it to you. The enemy can't take it away from you because the promise is stronger than his ability to snatch it away from you. But you got to have a will to fight for it and a will to keep it. Yes. Hit your neighbor and tell them the will to war. Luke 11, one, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Jesus' disciples are looking at John and his disciples and they can clearly see John is teaching them to pray. There's something that John has that he is giving to another generation. He's giving to another group. Jesus, would you also, like John is doing for his disciples, will you also teach us to pray like John is teaching his disciples? And, and the point is, is that people who had something taught those who were under them how to pray. Jesus' disciples are, are looking at this, and, and they, they see an exchange, and they want the same thing. And, and so John, when you look at John in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you look at him, he comes from a lineage of people that knew how to pray. If you trace the lineage back, you would have to trace it all the way back to the Old Testament with a lady by the name of Hannah who showed up in a temple because she was praying, because she believed that God was going to give her a son. And so, she, her husband, back then, I, I can't really explain, I don't have time to explain this. Her husband had another wife, and they were having kids just fine. But she was not able to have kids. And so she shows up at the temple, and she's praying for this son. And and the priest comes in and sees her praying for Samuel for the son that 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 God would eventually give her and they and the priest we know it was something spiritual going on Because the Bible says she prayed and she wept, and and they couldn't really understand what was coming out It wasn't that she wasn't saying anything But we know in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit prays through us with groanings that cannot even be uttered and and the priest said about Her in the Old Testament the same thing everybody said about the disciples in the New Testament. She's drunk when the Holy Spirit fell, what did they say about him? They're drunk. They, that, that was the conclusion. But we know that's not the truth. She had a prophet on the inside of her But prayer was the key to unlock what was in her. What was in her could not come forward until there was an atmosphere of prayer to bring it forth. And I wrote this down this morning. I'm gonna say it just like I wrote it down. I am concerned that we have a generation of people that have received a ton of prophecies and a ton of promises, but have no idea how to create an atmosphere of prayer to bring those promises and those prophecies forth. We got, I was thinking about the preaching we've had this year, the prophetic words and, and all the things we've been, many of you have prophetic words and, and promises God has given you and spoken over your life, but you've got to have something in you. You, You've got to be able to step into the presence of God through prayer to be, to be able to bring forth what God has put on the inside of you. There are some things in you that cannot come out of you until you have developed an atmosphere of prayer. Nobody's gonna shout about that. You know why? Because we want the pastor to hit us on the head and we get it. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? There are some things that you will never give birth to until you learn how to pray, till you learn how to fight, till you learn how to war. It's not gonna come because a little dab will do you on your forehead. You gotta to learn to stand up under some pressure. And not, not fold and, and go home and take your ball and go home just because things don't go your way. You gotta learn how to fight for yourself, not just sit in the blessing of somebody else's fight. I'm gonna take this message on the road. I, I, I do, the, the body of Christ needs to hear this. Samuel comes forth after Hannah prays, prays him into existence. And, and, and he's in the bloodline of prayer and prophecy. And, and out of Samuel, also in that same lineage, watch this, comes Elijah. Same lineage, same, same bloodline. Samuel knew how to pray because the Bible says not one word that he said fell to the ground. Elijah knew how to pray because at one point he said, it won't rain again until I tell it to. I mean, that's somebody who knows how to pray. That's somebody who has power with God. And the Bible says about John the Baptist, okay, we read the text, John the Baptist came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. All of their bloodline, we can see that they knew how to pray something through, to pray something in. And so the disciples say, teach us to pray like John is teaching his disciples. And Jesus said about John, watch this, he said, out of everybody born of of a woman, no one is greater than John. That's what he says about him. But Jesus then announces the kingdom and he says, John will baptize you in water, but I came to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And watch this. No one born of a woman is greater than John but I'm instituting a kingdom and gonna give you power in the spiritual realm and the least in the kingdom will be greater than John because John was still functioning under an Old Testament. It wasn't until Jesus kicked the door of the tomb out of the way and got up on the third day that we could become citizens of the kingdom and he said, if you just got saved today, you're already greater than John because you're a part of the kingdom. The least in the kingdom is greater than John. And so God is wanting to teach his people how to pray spiritual prayers and pray in the Holy Spirit, but the enemy uses distraction to keep us locked out of that power. The enemy wants to pull the church into silly things because he understands we have a spiritual power. See, we need some churches that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. We need some churches that are not afraid of the spirit of might, of the working of miracles, of casting out a few devils every once in a while, of operating in the Holy Spirit, of the prophecies that God will give, of praying in tongues. We got people running around here, they're, they're afraid of the Holy Spirit in tongues. But we'll go and sit in some paranormal movie. Like you're afraid of somebody speaking in tongues and you're sitting up in a theater watching people being possessed. You better have the power of the Holy Spirit if you're going to cast out those devils you've been watching. Hey, I'm, I'm about ready to. I'm telling you, I, Pia, I, you know, I am tired of, of, of like, you know, just trying to appease people that, that were afraid of the Holy Spirit. My goodness, why would you be afraid of the person of the Trinity that Jesus said, it's gonna be better for you that I leave so that he can come? Why are we afraid of the Holy Spirit? If some of the folks that were so vocal about all the other things in life would put their tongue to use in the Holy Ghost, we could push back the gates of hell. All right, this is going well. We're here. I'm, 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 I'm all the way in now. I have to learn how to pray so that I can break through things. And, and I'm telling you, that you say, Pastor, you pray in the Holy Spirit? Yes, every day. Every single day. God has more territory for us to take, more impact to make, And we have seen God move mightily in this church in times past. But there is another generation coming, and that's new to us, that we have the responsibility, as John did for his disciples and Jesus did for his disciples, we have to teach them how to war. We have to teach them how to pray spiritual prayers. Again, it's not your fault you were not here. When we had 70 people, and I would preach my guts out, and they just looked at me. Not your fault you weren't here. There was a lot of Sundays, I just wanted to go jump off a cliff because I would preach my guts out and we had nobody saved, nobody healed, no new families, all plowing ground, just just every Sunday week after week we had to fight through those battles we had to learn how to pray we had to learn how to fast we had to learn how to trust God and believe God and it's not your fault that you were not here for part of that but now that you are here we have to teach you how to fight because we got some more devils to cast out we got more territory to take over we we need to bring in some more miracles and healings for people some marriages need to be put back together and we need a new generation that knows how to fight and pray something through we have people that have been serving in this church since since the day I took over as pastor they've been serving for 12 years serving their tails off and and it's not your fault if you're new to the church that you were not here to fight some of those battles but just as God left some of the nations there for Israel for that new generation to fight There's some new battles that we gotta fight. And there's new territory to take and we can't take it without people having a will to war. See, we we have to break the spectator spirit off of the people of God. As many things that are working against you and as many things as God has in store for you, you don't have time to just come to church and sit. You got to get your hands in the game. You got to release a shout in the atmosphere. You ought to have a praise on your lips. You ought to be ready to serve. You... See, the, we, we had all of this that people enjoy now, we didn't get it by spectating. <laughs> There was sacrifice. There was days we worshiped when we, man, when our lives were falling apart and we praised him anyway. Days we preached when we didn't feel like it. Times we, we wrote checks that we really didn't have it to give. There was sacrifice to make in order to break through certain barriers. And I'm saying you've got to learn how to war as well because the sky is the limit for what God wants to do. But he's got to find some people that are willing to put some skin in the game and invest their life into the kingdom. How, how did y'all get there? How, how do we have all of this? Some of the things we did would make you nervous if I told you. I'm not even going to go down the list because some of you think, I can't believe y'all did that stuff. But we were so moved by the, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit and wanting to see people's lives changed that we were willing to fight whatever whatever it took. The problem is that as we continue to grow and more people come in, they will walk into this blessing and not know how to appreciate the blessing and not know how to fight to keep it. There is more land to possess, more enemies to fight. But if you're the kind of person that loses your salvation because somebody unfriended you on Facebook, you're not ready, baby. You're just not ready. I, I need some people that are stronger than that. God needs some people that's stronger than that. We have to move from consumers to participators. We, we can't get to where God, this is the strong part and then it'll get better. You're thinking, this is the strong part, okay. Um, we can't get to where God wants us to go if when you come, you just expect us park you in a good spot, have your coffee perfect, take care of your kids, minister to your teenagers, and you just sit there. That's not the kind of people you, you go to war with. That's not the kind of people I want in the foxhole with me there's a lot of people that will come and they just, you know, I I want you to take care of my kids. I want my coffee perfect. I'd love it if y'all would have some lemonade. Listen, we're gonna continue to have coffee, lemonade. We're gonna do children's ministry. We're gonna minister to students. We're gonna do all of those things. We're gonna continue to do it. We're we're not gonna stop doing that. But what have you done for God lately? I'll I'll keep it in here. I won't get too extravagant. The staff thinks I'm gonna go into a praise break one day. I may, but right now, we'll just stay right here. And, and, and some people will have the attitude of, well, if I, if I don't do what I do, then they probably won't get it done. Baby, we have already proven we can do it without your attendance, your money, your service. It's not about what we're gonna get done. We've already proven we can do it without your money, your attendance, your involvement, but, but, but we need some people that'll say, I got some skin in the game. I'm going to invest my life into it. And when you start investing your life into the kingdom, you're not so quick to run out the door when things don't go your way. I'm preaching all right right now. See, about half of you already offended over those statements. But it's the word. you got to put something into it. Not just say, give me, give me, give me, give me. And then we look at our own kids and say, I don't know why they're entitled. Right, right, right. That's good. So like, Did he say that? Yeah. This thing is affecting us. you, you got to get your life on the inside of what God is doing you, you've got to learn how to fight yourself. And if you guys will hang in there, I hope you come back next week. God, please help them come back. If you'll hang in there, by the end of this series, I believe we're gonna have some people who, like Joshua, will be able to say, as the Lord was with Moses, I feel this so strong, so shall he be with me. I didn't have to fight the same battles that Moses fought. That's what God told Moses. He said, hey, or told y'all, he's dead, Joshua, and you got some battles to fight. It's a different battle, different circumstances. You're not fighting to come out of Egypt. You're fighting to go into the promise. It's not even the same kind of battles, That as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. Go and, and every place you put your feet, I will give it to you. I'm looking for some people that are willing to war. Do we have anybody willing to war? That's what we need. I wonder what would happen if all 1,200, 1,400 people decided, I'm putting my life in this thing, I'm putting my money in it, I'm putting my time in it, I'm gonna serve, what would happen if we all invested our life 100% into the church and said, we're gonna change the world? I'll tell you what would happen, It would the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost would happen. We'd have 3,000 people get added to the church in a day. In a day. Different enemies, same anointing. Our family, the family of God here at Bethesda Church is bigger than it's ever been. We're reaching more people than we've ever been able to reach. Families are being brought into the kingdom. Marriages are being put back together. We're hiring all of our staff members, not from California, but we're raising them up right here and able to hire them. Our online family is growing every single week. And so I don't care what, what the devil says, what the news says, to get to this point and to go to where God wants us to go, we have to shake off being offended, shake off our pain. We have to praise God when we don't feel like it, preach when we don't feel like it, praise when we don't feel like it, serve when we don't feel like it. We gotta develop a will to war. Yeah. A will to war. Now, I'm gonna shift gears and end it a little better. Are you guys with me? Some of you are like, nah, I don't know. Now watch this. When you... Are not going after something, you get tripped up by anything. But when you're going after something, how I many? It don't matter how many devils come against you, how much sickness comes against you. When you when you're going after something, you just don't throw in the towel. You don't quit. It develops a fortitude on the inside of you that I, I've got a promise, I've got a prophecy, and I, I'm not giving in over this. But we have to learn how to pray like John did. How he taught his disciples. How Jesus prayed and how he taught his disciples. How Samuel prayed and not one word of his fell to the ground. Elijah calling fire. We have to learn how to do that. And so here's the deal. I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to give you eight reasons why why we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm doing this to whet your appetite because in the month of August, we're just going to deal, we're just going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So many questions people don't understand. We got some people saying they're afraid of the Holy Spirit and tongues, all the, the very power we need to break through our next level. People are like, I don't know, don't understand. I'm afraid. How I many we have to, we have to erase all that for people. The Holy Spirit, he's awesome. He's awesome. So I'm going to end eight reasons why we pray in the spirit. Number one, I'm going to give you the skeleton. This is what's going to happen. Some of you are going to go home and be able to put meat on this. Okay. You're actually going to open your Bible and not wait till next Sunday to hear me preach again. You're going to read it. All right. That's what I want to accomplish here. Number one, when we pray in the spirit, we speak directly to God. That's the first reason why we should pray in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14 and two. 14 and two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. When you pray in the spirit, you speak directly to God. Now, I don't wanna trip anybody up, but it, it is possible for you to pray a spiritual prayer in English. And what I mean by that, we know the difference between praying a prayer and praying an anointed prayer. Have you ever had that moment where you're praying and you're like, man, this is not even me? I'm praying in English, but this thing's coming from somewhere else. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, like a river, right? Flowing out of us. And so I'm saying you can pray a spiritual prayer in your native tongue, whatever that native tongue is. On the other hand, you can pray a prayer that's not spiritual in tongues because you have a memorized tongue. You're trying to get there, but you're just not really in the moment. Nobody says that out loud, but it's true. You know, you don't know anything. You just start praying in tongues. You're not really into it. Here's the thing. You can have an anointed spiritual prayer in English, but also an anointed spiritual prayer in tongues. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray directly to God. Secondly, when you pray in the Spirit, you edify yourself. You edify yourself. Jude 1, verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we read that and we're like, I need to build up my faith. He tells us how. By praying in the Spirit. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we are building ourselves up. Prophecy, when when I give a prophecy, it edifies the body, but praying in an unknown tongue edifies myself. That's why I pray in tongues daily. Okay? Uh, It's kind of like when you pray in the spirit, you edify yourself. It would be like you taking half your house and saying, I'm dedicating half my house to a planet fitness just for me. In the natural, how many know if you put that gym to work, you're going to come out looking like The Rock or like Adam Crawford? Love you, Adam. Same in the Spirit. Every time you pray in the Spirit, you in the Spirit, you're gaining muscle. Does that make sense? You are getting stronger. Your faith is growing. Third, the third thing, why we pray in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, you pray mysteries. I love this. He said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, however, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. We pray things when we pray in the Holy Spirit that we don't even know about. This is so cool. I wish I could really give you the strength of of that because when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we we actually clear out territory. We we actually push darkness back by praying in the Spirit. When, When there are no spiritual prayers being prayed, Everything becomes mechanical. I have to crack 72 jokes to keep your attention because no, nobody's really in it. There's no, there's no atmosphere for the word to be sown. But when spiritual prayers are being prayed, what happens is, is that it becomes revelation, deep revelation becomes low hanging fruit that anybody can jump up and grab because we have prepared the way in the spirit through prayer. I can take a word that's that's powerful and preach it here, and y'all run through walls and people get saved and healed and great. And I can take that same word and go to another church, and I've done this before, and preach that same word, and nothing happened. Same exact word, delivered it almost identically, but no spiritual component or atmosphere for that that word to take root. The, the apostle Paul, he talked about how mysteries were given unto him. He also talked about how it was unlawful for him to utter those mysteries. When he was in the third heaven, he saw things that were unlawful for him to utter. And I, want, I forgot to give the first service this. I'm going to give it to you guys. It isn't that what he saw was unlawful, but the distance between what he saw and where the people were that distance was so great that it would have been unlawful for him to utter it there are some things there have been seasons when i had revelation that god would not allow me to share with you because what he had shown me and where we were were not at the same place does that make sense We have, we, there's been a lot of times, guys, because we're winning so many new people. How many, we can't come in and just drop the book of revelation on a brand new convert sometimes because it would be unlawful to utter it. Like they'd be like, what are you talking about? I just want to know this Jesus. Does that make sense? And and so that's what Paul's talking about. When we pray in the spirit though, we pray mysteries we don't even know about. Um, Number four, when you pray in the spirit, you speak in the tongue of angels. Worship team, y'all can get in place. I thought they moved. They're probably, they're waiting on me. There they are. First Corinthians 13 says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become in sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, I love what we do with this, this passage. It's the love chapter. It's the love verse. Well, all we ever talk about is the love. And we just do away, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Obviously, without love, it doesn't matter. Love is the foundation of everything. But he does say, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. All right, check this out. Angels is the word messenger. That's what it means. It's a generic word because we know demons are also fallen angels. Sometimes when we pray in the spirit, and, and, and I have known when this has happened, sometimes God will show me when this is happening in my prayer time. Sometimes we are giving our angels, we're giving them assignments. And we're praying in a tongue we don't understand. But God will say, I'm dispatching angels right now. As you're praying in the Spirit, you're dispatching angels. You're not praying to the angels, but as you pray in the Spirit, God is giving angels a sign. I'll give my angels charge over you. Daniel, I heard you on day one it's 21 days later but I have come for your words and so we, we angels are given assignments when we pray in the Spirit um, check this out when you pray in the Spirit you strengthen your angels it's almost like fuel for them when you pray in the Spirit there are times when you're under satanic attack and you pray in the spirit that you're that 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 you praying in the spirit is actually serving notice on the on the demonic force assigned to your life he better back up as you're praying in the spirit this is all really cool stuff but but a lot of us were like i'm scared i don't want to i don't this tongue stuff scares me. i'm telling you, this In this day in this culture you need the power of the Holy Spirit if they needed it 2,000 years ago we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit in this generation number five when you pray in the Spirit we are releasing the will of God man I love this cuz everybody pastor I just don't know God's will I just want to know his will and that there and I understand it's a pure place they're in But if you will pray in the spirit, you will literally release the will of God over your life. Romans eight tells us, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever not known how to pray? Like I don't even know how to deal with this Lord. That's a great time to start praying in the spirit. And allow him to speak to you. He says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know what to pray, but guess what? The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to pray and how to pray it. Number six, hit your neighbor 10 we're almost done. Y'all want me to pause here for about 10 minutes? No. no. My roast will burn, Pastor. Just playing. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray in the language of the new world which we are going. Obviously, heaven, but I'm not just talking about heaven. By talking in the language of the new world in which we are going, I'm telling you, praying in the Spirit pulls you into the world which God has called you some of us just missed that praying in the spirit pulls me into the world God destined for me to be It, it pulls me there 12 years ago I never thought in White Sulphur Springs West Virginia I would stand holding a microphone in front of as many people as come here I had no clue but praying in the Spirit pulled me into a world that God knew from the foundation of the world. I've called you to be a pastor and a leader, and lives are going to be changed. But you got to learn how to fight. You got to learn how to war. And you got to learn how to pray in the Spirit. And as you pray in the Spirit, it will literally pull you into the world which I created for you. Number seven, when you pray in the Spirit, you open yourself up to truth. When you pray in the Spirit and then hear truth, you're able to receive it. Maybe, maybe this this one point here maybe this it, it's not self-serving but it may come across as self-serving but when you look at that verse or, or that, that point when you, when you pray in the Spirit it opens you up to truth how many know when, when you pray in the Spirit if it, it opens you up to truth then you don't get offended as, as much some of us that are new to Christ need to understand truth offends people the gospel we love everybody but the gospel is a gospel of offense Jesus said how I many of that's in our Bible like this makes sometimes when when I get up and preach the truth one person is excited about it and the next person never comes back it's truth, but what we have to understand about praying in the spirit is that opens us up to hear truth it prepares our heart for truth And truth, you may want to write this down. It's not on the screen for you. And then after that, I'm going to let you stand up. Truth is always equal, which means it applies to everyone. Okay? Truth is always dimensional, which means that it's truth in the natural, it's truth in the spiritual, and it's truth in your relationships. And truth is always current. If it was true 2,000 years ago, it's still truth today. That's why I can take the words of Jesus that He preached 2,000 years ago and preach His words and reteach them. And it's still truth and it's still powerful and it still changes lives. So when you pray in the Spirit, it opens yourself up to truth. And this is important because we have a generation that is emerging that they need the power of God and, and they need the anointing in their life, but they have been taught that, that truth is, is relative. That you can come up with your own truth. That, that you can decide what is truth for you. The devil is a liar. God already established truth and he don't need us to come up with another truth. I ought to get a big praise the Lord right there. Come on, somebody. We don't have to come up with truth. We don't need anybody to change it. God has already established it as truth. You can stand. Number eight, when you pray in the Spirit, it is the sign of a new birthing cycle. This is powerful. God says, when Zion travails, sons and daughters are born. Zion is is an Old Testament word for church. Talking about the church. When the church travails or prays, then sons and daughters are born. I believe the church can pray and then get pregnant. Pregnant with souls, pregnant with miracles, pregnant with healing, pregnant with prophecy, pregnant with marriages being put back together, pregnant with families being restored. But we gotta learn how to fight and to war and we gotta learn how to pray some things through. If you receive the word, can you give him a praise today? I preach the best that I know how I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes no one looking around in this moment it's just you and God just you and Jesus that's all it is if you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus and you don't know him as your personal Savior I know we preached about a lot of things today some of it was probably you know like things you hadn't heard before and that's okay we're gonna grow in this we're gonna teach we're gonna talk through we're gonna teach a new generation how to war and how to fight it's not fair that we learn how to fight and then not teach others how to fight we have to do it it's our responsibility but it all starts with a relationship with Jesus if you're in this place or watching online we want to open up this moment to you to make that decision to be born again. God said to enter into the kingdom, Jesus told us very clearly that we have to be born again. So it's not about being a better you. It's being a you that's never existed before. And so I, I just wanna ask you, if you need Jesus today to save you, to change you, that born again experience, and you don't wanna leave without experiencing that. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor, I wanna make Jesus my Lord. Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you, sir. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see those two. Another one over here, God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Three more online. God bless you. It's amazing. Anybody else in-house say that's me. I, I need Jesus to save me today. Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? Let's pray together. At least three hands and three more online. at least six people I know of that are coming into the kingdom of God. So let's pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to come into my heart, to cleanse me. I want to be born again. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give those individuals a bit. God bless you today. Come on, you knew do better than that. Just let them know that you're proud of them. Their life is just now beginning. God is so good. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward. And, and what I want to encourage you to do, I know I ended with eight points on praying in the Spirit. And some of you, that is so new. So I just need you to hang in there for a while We'll touch some of it in this series But in August we're going to try to dive deeper And and, and really you say What I need to do? All I need you to do is just to be open To having more of God I don't want to complicate it I just want you to know you can have more more of God Than you currently have He's available He wants to fill you It's a gift which means you don't even have to earn it The only requirement to be filled with, with, with the Holy Spirit Is to be saved if you know Jesus, then you're you're ready. You're you're ready to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so, if you need prayer, you want us to pray for you uh, over that gift today. We're here to do that. Our staff have you know they're they're ready to agree with you. I'm ready to do that. My wife's ready to do that. We will pray with you and for you. But but. As an initial step during this last song, I just want you to have a moment with God, whether in your seat or up here, where you just say, God, I am open to what you want to do in my heart and life. And and, and, and just be open to having more of God in your life. And I promise you, whatever you open up to Him, He will fill. Do you believe that, church? God bless you. Thank you for being here.